This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm your other sometimes host, Matt Scalina. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing well, Corey. Uh, looking forward to the long weekend. I bet, eh? Oh, yeah. How's the back? <laughs> How's the leg? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, thank you for asking. Maybe before I, I speak about myself for the next 10 minutes, who do we got on the show? We got Mike Kozakowski coming to us from Citified. So anyone who's developed or looking at new construction or looking to buy new condos, in the greater Victoria area, Citified is the benchmark of websites you got to follow. So Mike's going to come on today. We're going to talk all about how Victoria has changed rapidly. The developments over there have changed rapidly. The sell-throughs changed rapidly. He's probably got more stats on new construction in Victoria than anybody I know. What I love about guys like this who work on the web and with data in relation to new construction is they can see the trends before anyone else. 100%. 100%. This is so it's so exciting to have Mike on the show. And Corey, you you did this one by yourself. I did. Well, I thought you guys were hanging out with me. I come in, I get the cold shoulder. I didn't know if I did something wrong. I get sent to the room. It's only me, me and Mike. But it actually, you know, surprisingly, it, it, we pulled it, it off. Tur- it turns out. It turns we out it's pu- pretty good. We pulled it off. It was great. And, you know, not to get back to myself, but uh, allow me to do so. I uh, This last week has been a game changer in part a Cairo, a couple Cairo appointments, a couple of uh, massage, but like, I didn't even know massage therapists, like, know what just, they're doing. she just beat me up. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable at all, <laughs> but t- two of those, like, it wasn't relaxing. It was literally, she just went to work on my leg and, uh, and he manipulated my back, which I've never had before. I think I went from like a 30% kind of just general pain and I'm maybe at 2% now. Oh, I've, good. I've never been to a chiropractor before. And it was, uh, it was kind of incredible. So yeah, I'm, I'm back. You're back. I'm back 100%. It sounds like your Peloton bike's back as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I shared a little bit last, last week how I managed to almost do a header off a stationary bike, believe it or not. Then when I called Peloton, the girl on the phone... She never heard of it. She made it sound like I was the first person ever in Peloton history to break a pedal. And then like, so I get, I get my parts and I, I book the guys to come fix my, my Peloton. So you can imagine there's me and these two gentlemen come downstairs yeah. and I'm explaining to them what happened. And the guy gets on his knees and he looks at the, I guess it's the pedal, the broken pedal, oh. but also the, the arm. And he goes, oh, oh. Oh, oh, I don't, I don't know if I have the tools for this. And then I, they're looking at me, they're sizing me up to think, how did this guy do this? And I'm sucking my gut in as best I can to look like a Peloton, Peloton rider. Like, I, then, just, I just use a bike too much. Yeah. And then, and then I'm talking to them while they're fixing it. And they're, I don't know if they talked to the girl at Peloton customer service, but they also made it sound like 
No one has ever broken a pedal <laughs> like this that they've fixed for Peloton. So it was I, I just where it broke. Well, yeah. it was just like like I, I'm just trying to replay in my head the whole situation over again. Where things went wrong. Where things went wrong. Well, when I was pedaling, the left pedal felt a little wobbly. So I thought, hey. Oh, I was gonna go back to like when you were 12. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a whole nother podcast. But I'm pedaling the the bite, the, the pedal was getting a little wobbly. So the natural thing you would think would be is hey. I should probably stop yeah. and see why it's pedaling. My brain says, hey, let's crank up the tension and stand up. So it all just like literally went downhill from there. Like literally downhill. But well, the good news is there's two good good news stories that came out of all this. One, uh, your Peloton's fixed. Two, yeah. Mike is a great guest and he's on the show today. So so maybe we'll cut to our talk with Mike Kazakowski from Citified. Enjoy, guys. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. All right, so we're here today with Mike Kozakowski of Citified Media. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Great. Well, thanks, Mike, for joining us and for all of our listeners out there who may not be aware of what Citified is. Can you tell us more about, about yourself and then also about Citified Media? Oh, yeah, for sure. So Citified Media is a company that's based out of Victoria. And what we do is track construction of multifamily projects, predominantly multifamily projects, commercial projects, office and retail, uh, townhome projects. If it's relatively big, if, it, if it's relatively uh, a large uh, development, tends uh, it tends to land on our radar. And so we follow the process along from the inception stage all the way to approvals and follow it through to uh, construction and completion. Now, on the residential side, we also assist developers with marketing their projects and helping them find the uh, buyers for their uh, units or residents for their rental housing. And in some cases, uh, help them find uh, tenants for their commercial property. So it's a, it's a fairly comprehensive list of to-dos that we end up doing. And uh, we are fairly off the radar in some respects with some of the things that we do, but uh, it certainly keeps us busy in light of what's been going on in the South Island over the last uh, half decade or so. Well, I'll, I'll give you a shameless plug here. Before we looked at the Victoria market for our, our William Wright office, going back about five years now, when we discovered your website, we monitored it like it was our daily newspaper. We were reading everything you were putting out, reading all the publications, tracking everything. And it gave us a really good insight into what was happening over there, especially from the new construction side of it. So we really appreciate what you guys, what, everything you guys are doing over there. Um, Wonderful. Question, question, why Victoria? Why not the lower mainland or BC interior? Why Victoria? Mm-hmm. I live here. And uh, <laughs> I guess I, I understand this this market a little bit better than I do some of the other markets. So my, my background, is, interestingly enough, I come from a background of building data that dealt with large projects from around the world, mostly skyscrapers. And some of your listeners may know the company. It's Skyscraper Source Media, also runs a website called Skyscraper Page. So that's my uh, that's my pedigree. And 
And uh, I got out of that business some years ago when I had started Citified due to already having those um, those tools in my tool chest, so to speak. And I figured, you know, I'd probably want to focus in on my local market since I had developed quite a lot of relationships with the local developers and the people in the real estate development industry over quite a long period of time, uh, which happened quite quite. In, well, in, in a bizarre way, certainly the uh, the progression was non-linear, but I ended up having quite a lot of opportunities to meet the local players in the industry. And I thought, you know, this is where I should focus. And so far, it's been so busy and it's kept me hopping that uh, I suppose the time has come to start looking at other markets. But man, is it ever busy on the South Island? So hopefully that answers your question. And I actually get that a lot because people say, why don't you go and do this in Vancouver, right? You go to the bigger markets. And I said, good question. I guess I probably should have, but I chose not to. And so here we are. Yeah, no, that's that's a conversation I think I, I've bugged you about for a while. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what's next for Citified? So obviously, yeah. like I said, it's probably fair to say that you probably have more data and seen Victoria grow on the back end of the development than most companies there. What is the biggest thing that you've seen change over say, the past five years? Victoria obviously has a lot of momentum with it right now yeah. and it's on a lot of people's radar where maybe five or six, seven, eight years ago, maybe it wasn't. What's the biggest change you've seen in the landscape over there? Yeah, certainly, certainly. I would say the maturity of the market is the biggest change and that maturity has drawn a lot of big players from Toronto, Vancouver, even the United States. These guys come in with uh, machines that are very well adapted to pushing through projects or taking already approved sites and maximizing the potential on those sites. And Victoria has certainly emerged on the radar where it wasn't necessarily even even as uh, as close as 10 years ago. It was a fairly third-tier market, perhaps, and the majority of the construction activity was among a fairly small group of local developers that uh, I got to know. And, and uh, it's very interesting that over the last few years, of course, more and more players from outside of the region have started to take a run at the projects or opportunities on the South Island. The complexity of development has also changed as the larger companies have come to the South Island there or taken on opportunities that are much, much more complex and larger than some of the local companies, I feel, would have the uh, the capacity to follow through and and build from uh, from the ground up to uh, to completion, and so we're seeing a lot of Vancouver-like developments emerging, and that's a nice change. It's certainly bringing a different level of professionalism to the industry, yeah. and not to say that the local guys are not professional. It's just when these bigger machines come into town and, and do the work that you do, you can't help but just stand back and go, "Wow, this is how it's done on a big scale in, in the big cities." And so it's interesting to see that in uh, in our local community now. Well, is there any projects that you can think of offhand that sort of really caught your eye when you talk about that? Obviously, there's been some pretty big one announcements and there's some pretty big things going through council right now. But is there anything that sort of jumped out at you over the past couple of years that you're like, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. I didn't foresee that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Starlight Developments, they purchased two blocks, well, among many other properties yeah. in the downtown core, but two blocks specifically in the 1,900 blocks of Yates and View Streets. In downtown Victoria, and they're proposing what could become the tallest buildings on Vancouver Island at 32 stories, 1,500 units, and a significant amount of retail space. This is big city stuff. This is Edmonton level, Calgary level, Toronto, Vancouver level that we've never seen on Vancouver Island. So to have it materialize so quickly, and that project being one of several of that magnitude on the South Island, is 
is certainly um, certainly interesting for us here, for sure. Now, obviously, you're, you're you're tracking the development process from the very early stages of it. What mm-hmm. areas are you seeing an uptick maybe in development coming in, whether it be James Bay or you mean maybe the Harris Green District or you know even getting further out Saanich or whatever? What areas are you starting to see a lot more activity in now that maybe you didn't see years ago? Mm-hmm. Certainly Vic West, which is to the west of the downtown core of Victoria, is continuing on with its huge infusion of density. We're talking thousands of units. That transition started about 20 years ago, and it had a relatively slow uptake outside of a few condos that lined the harbour front, known as the Songhees neighbourhood. But now you've got Bosa from Vancouver coming in and really pushing some fast density. You've got uh, Bosa, so I should say Bosa Developments is actively building now three towers. Bosa Properties has built two towers, and we're seeing some pretty significant changes to the skyline in that neighborhood, including a former tallest building in the city of Victoria that Bosa Properties completed about five years ago. And we're also seeing, this is interesting, we're seeing a focus on high-rise developments in the suburbs now, which is not something you tend to see in smaller cities. They tend to cluster the high-density, high-rise projects in their downtown cores, but that's no longer the case in Victoria, and the city of Langford is moving very quickly towards its own skyline with towers just about 30 stories tall on the radar. We recently had uh, Mayor Young from Langford on the program here Mm -hmm. talking all about the super exciting stuff that's going on in Langford and stuff like that. Are you seeing the same developers now that maybe once we're looking in Greater Victoria? Are they now the same developers looking into, say, Langford and maybe even as far as Nanaimo? 100%. Yeah, there's a real interest among local developers in Victoria that have never gone beyond the urban core of Victoria. So that's the city of Victoria, Squimalt, Saanich, and Oak Bay. That was their their playing ground. And now they're looking towards the West Shore suburbs of Langford. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the mayor, Mayor Stu Young, has just done such an incredible job transforming his municipality into a community that is no longer just a suburb with more affordable housing and that second tier of retail perhaps, but it's now emerging as a community that people are choosing to live in yeah. over and above Victoria. And it's it, it's quite amazing, actually. If anybody's interested in city building in British Columbia in the modern era, you should really take a look at Langford, what they did from the early 90s up until today. The transformation is just just incredible from what was literally known as the dog patch 30 years ago. <laughs> to 29-story towers. I mean, it's 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 quite quite something. Well, we, we had the mayor on. Like you said, he's very right. passionate about his city. And he takes a, I don't want to say a different perspective than you hear, but he looks at developers as partners. And he said, talks mm-hmm. about a lot over the years of having to convert the local Langford people about these are partners that we need because they help build our streets. They help build our sewer systems. They help provide plumbing. All of that stuff. And he has a really out-of-the-box approach to what you typically hear in politics. But he makes it sound so simple that you yeah. almost wonder that why every city or community doesn't look at it. And and firsthand, I can say from the brokerage community, working with developers, Langford is so high up on most people's list that are looking over on the Vancouver Island area. Not only because of all how the, the, the whole community is just prospering and growing at such a rapid pace but also how the city of Langford deals with developers and gets them through the development process really quickly. You're not sitting on stuff for years like you find over here in Vancouver. They're trying to get you through. And, and the mayor even comments, if it's not going to work, we're going to tell you right away. 
we're going to tell you how it's going to mm-hmm. work to get you mm-hmm. through the process so you can start building, which all makes logical sense to me. I'm just really surprised that a lot of other, other municipalities and cities haven't adopted a similar type proactive approach to developing versus looking at developers almost as big, bad meanies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. The mayor, he walked into the job with uh, literally a clean slate. There was, there was very little that was standing in his way in terms of creating his own processes and his own vision for how the municipality should progress from decade to decade. And so he benefited greatly from having the ability to not have to conform himself to existing paradigms and such. He he had the opportunity to literally define the vision for the community. And many people thought it wasn't possible. But it all started when Costco came to the South Island and they said, we'd like to situate a store on the South Island. So they went knocking to various municipalities. They had wanted to situate in central Saanich, which is along the peninsula region of the capital. And they had a lot of political opposition, as you do in southern Vancouver Island. And they went thinking to themselves, why is there so much opposition here? What's going on? In came Mary Young. said, hey, check this out. I've got this place out here on the west. Why don't you build your store here? But if you're going to build your store here, I'd like you to do this, and I'd like you to do this, I'd like you to do this. And that's how it all started. Langford got its start by welcoming Costco with open arms, whereas the rest of the region was not having it. And that mentality is uh, is ingrained in that can-do attitude of that municipality. No, it's an amazing story. And like I said, he talks about how his family was in there for 85 years, I believe they've mm-hmm. been there. Mm-hmm. He's been mayor for 30 years, he said. So it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving a little bit further up island, and you might not track it as much as, say, you do the Greater Victoria area. Nanaimo obviously has had a lot, a flurry of activity. There's a lot of developing starting to sort of start to take shape over there. A lot of developers are very interested in Nanaimo. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what are you what are you seeing on your side of it? Talking to the development community and dealing with that and following metrics and stuff like that. Are you seeing Nanaimo becoming much more of a prosperous marketplace for developers? Yes, yes, totally. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's a demand equation that I'm on now that didn't exist. I mean, if you look at the price of real estate, residential real estate in Imo, it's literally on par with Victoria, which traditionally used to outcompete in terms of price points the rest of Vancouver Island, for sure, like in, 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 in multiples. And now the mindset of the purchaser in Vancouver Island has changed. They're not so concerned about where they happen to be on Vancouver Island. It's more or less that they're on Vancouver Island, this new generation of newcomers. And they're coming ready to retire with relatively deep pockets. And they're looking for livability, lifestyle, ocean views, wonderful communities, whatever it may be that, that attracts them to what we have on the island, but they're not so picky anymore. The other thing is that the mills that used to pepper the east coast of the island, they're closing down. There's only a couple of them left, and anybody who's lived near a mill will tell you there's a certain smell that comes with it, and sometimes it's not very pleasant. So those mills no longer being as prevalent and and running as much as they used to, that's changing the real estate equation as well. And we're certainly seeing more people willing to move to places like Nanaimo because there's there's less of that stigma or perhaps there's less of that industry that used to play a role in people's decisions back in the day. Now, even even communities like Parksville and stuff like that, some of the surrounding communities around Nanaimo, and obviously we're tracking this from a commercial standpoint, so not so much mm-hmm. the residential development standpoint, 
we're watching a lot of properties in these marketplaces that we would see come for sale might be on the market for quite some time selling at really, really rapid pace. Are you Mm -hmm. also seeing stuff like that from the residential side of it and the development community where these smaller towns like a Campbell River or even a Parksville or even a Ladysmith, are they starting to gain the momentum that say Nanaimo and Langford have experienced on a smaller scale? Yes, yes, absolutely. And partly that's due to the fact that when Victoria started to draw these big companies and these big companies began looking around on Vancouver Island, they recognized opportunities not just in the capital region, but in some of these other secondary markets on the island. So you have a company like Starlight, for example, they'll go to the brokers and say, can you find us opportunities at this price range from Victoria all the way to the North Island, see what you can come up with. And sure enough, there's been opportunities for them. So you are seeing these large companies popping up, up and down the island, whereas 10 years ago, there would have been no way that someone would come down and say, hey, you know what, Starlight should start looking at Vancouver Island or, or we think they're going to come here over the next few years. There's just no way somebody would have said that. And now they're competing for these properties. But it's not just what's happening on the South Island and then further north. We're also seeing activities from developers further up the island looking to opportunities south of their community. So Nanaimo and Victoria, which is interesting. Some of the bigger players now emerging on the South Island are actually North Island companies, which is wow. which is peculiar. But that's a, that's a new trend for sure. Well, I know even speaking to a lot of people in the commercial real estate industry over here on the mainland street, Victoria, Nanaimo, all of these properties are way, way up on the list now. I'm mm-hmm. looking at and there's a recent uh, a recent office building came for sale in Nanaimo, and I think it was around six and a half million. And I know we had some offers from some of our offices on behalf of our clients that went into it, and they got 11 offers on this office building in Nanaimo. That wow. going back three or four years ago, I don't want to say may not have sold, but it would have probably taken a lot longer to sell at a lot lower price versus what we're yeah. seeing. And talking to the the parties involved, apparently a lot of those offers were mainland buyers too. So you're starting to see. Yeah the interest level in that start peaking. Getting back to the greater Victoria market, obviously pricing has been a big challenge over there. The cost of living from a a condo standpoint and a house standpoint has obviously increased dramatically. Is there anything that is spurring that obviously demand is the the obvious answer, but is there anything else spurring or any industries that are brewing or have expanded quite a bit in that greater Victoria area that's creating further pressure on this housing crunch that we're experiencing? It's a tough one because we have, been predominantly a government town and fundamentally that hasn't changed but what has changed is the desire for retirees or people on the precipice of retirement to finally pull the plug and make the transition to vancouver island majority of them will be settling in in greater victoria access to hospital services etc that that, that's what they're looking for so they'll they'll they're likely more well more likely to locate on on the south island so what's driving a lot of the interest is uh, the deep pockets of people from across this country and in some cases people from across the world i mean any given month approximately a third of the sales of residential real estate on the resale market is going to out-of-town purchasers, which is a significant amount. You've got to imagine that that 30% of buyers, they're not putting anything back into the market. And certainly the first-time buyers are also not putting anything into the market. So let's just say that around 40%, perhaps 50% of the the uh, sales of residential real estate on South Island are not putting anything back into the market. That's that's going to start driving down prices when you've got such a tight level of inventory 
which we're experiencing right now. In fact, it's, it's record lows, nearly one-to-one -one ratio of whatever comes up on the market, that same amount of housing will be sold. And uh, the quality of life is certainly drawing a lot of people who discover that they don't need to be in an office to do their job. Yeah. And that's uh, led to quite a few people showing up in this, in this region. And uh, they also have money if they're able to afford a transition to an expensive market like Vancouver Island. Chances are that they'll be able to outcompete some of the local buyers for real estate. So it's a it's a turbulent time right now. There's a lot of individuals feeling defeated. They've uh, been putting in five, ten, fifteen, sometimes twenty offers on real estate, and they keep getting outbid or or just can't make it come together. And so there's difficulty there, but there's certainly a lot of supply is coming. The challenges, of course, are that now as as the markets are starting to find some balance in terms of the supply side, we have rising interest rates and rapidly rising construction costs, which are going to add some pressure and, and some variables into the mix for developers to figure out. But I'm pretty confident that uh, that we'll see some balancing over the next 24 months in this region. Well, I, even, you know, there's some projects on the on the development side that we follow more than others obviously because we have an interest in them whether it's it's you know the leasing or the sales for the, the mm -hmm. client and one of those projects is the nest by chart mm -hmm. located at yates and cook and i received an email i believe it was earlier this week that said they only had six units left and i remember yep. having conversations where other buildings were built and they would be you know pretty much standing product ready to be delivered and there would still be like 15 20 25 of the condos left to sell and yes. hearing that there are only about six units left, and I'm, I have to apologize, I'm not sure how many units in total that building has, but I think it's 12 stories. So you can imagine it's a fair amount to only have six left and, and they're, they're just hitting to the ground now. I mean, yeah. why has the sales cycle changed so much just in the past couple of years? Is it, is it the demographic of the buyer or is it related to kind of what you mentioned, a lot more people from non-Victorian residents now coming into that marketplace? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Three things fundamentally. Number one, yes, you've got more people coming into the marketplace, but they're not necessarily coming in right away. They're planning for it. Perfect to uh, purchase a pre-sale. You've got your home completed in two years. Gives you time to plan. Third thing, you've got so much competition for existing real estate that unless you know what you're doing, you've got deeper pockets where you can start throwing some money around and competing with other buyers for property. You've got really just the pre-sale market to to buy in, and it's it's less stress. You don't have to compete with twenty or thirty people for a specific unit. And the the third thing with these pre-sale projects is there is a real lack of alternatives for people trying to get into the market. If you want to buy a single-family home in the Greater Victoria region, that's it. You're done. By Vancouver standards, it's not. A very expensive market, but it's still a million bucks just to get into the lower tier of the single-family uh, dwelling segment, and it's 1.43 million average to get into the single-family segment. So, wow. the first-time buyers, for example, they're they're really locked out of anything other than condos, and so they're turning in rapid fire to these pre-sale offerings. And you know what? There's actually a fourth. Right, because we we saw what happened in the last year. Values went bananas, and you've got a lot of first-time buyers who are sitting on the precipice, thinking maybe if we don't get in now, we may never get in. And so those those factors are certainly helping the pre-sale market reach levels of sales that we haven't seen for many years. About a decade ago, 
we saw a lot of uptake when Victoria had its big condo boom in the early 2000s. We saw similar numbers of, of people buying up pre-sales, and it took another 15 years to get back to this point. So certainly a lot of success for developers like Chard. They also have an adjoining project called Haven, which has a BC housing component that helps people get into the housing market with a, a matching 10% down payment component. That's also selling equally well in between the two buildings. In fact, we just ran an article yesterday on sales success of those two projects. Out of about 211 units, they've only got uh, 10 units left between the two buildings. So wow. very good success for them. And that success is mirrored across multiple other pre-sales. doesn't matter where they are, whether it's Saanich or Sydney or the West Shore, the pre-sale condos are selling faster than we've seen in, in about a decade plus. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. I know one project that, and I have to apologize, I, I might name it wrong. I believe it's called Common House or the Commons, located de- located downtown there. Customs House. Customs House. Sorry, Commons. I, 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 had, I was going in the right direction. Customs House. No Looking problem. at the pricing of that and just seeing the staggering pricing of that and the yeah. fact that it's sold. Obviously, the, the, the location is premium located right on the waterfront, right downtown on Government Street there. Yeah. Who are the buyers for something like that? Because to me, when I look at that, is that people maybe who aren't local buying those? Because the pricing just seems like sky high versus some of the other projects and stuff like that that we've seen launched over the past year, yet they've had you know extremely good success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a mix of purchasers. The penthouse over 4,000 square feet sold for a record-breaking price around $11 million. So it was a couple of years ago, actually. And my understanding is the purchasers from the Seattle area has something to do with the tech industry. The sub-penthouse... Is his name Jeff? Larger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've been... I've, I've, I'm afraid... I'm looking out my window right now just to see if anyone's out there with a with a gun pointed in my direction because I was sworn to secrecy and I better I better maintain that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we won't tell but, anyone it's Mr. Bezos. <laughs> yeah. Between me and you, it's, we're good to go. <laughs> but it's... But, uh, but yeah, we have a fellow... Fellow uh, from Seattle area that purchased the penthouse for eleven million bucks. And that was a couple of years ago. You got to imagine Unreal. that's probably worth more now. Yeah, you think and so? Some of the sub penthouse units have gone to lower mainland purchasers, and there was quite a lot of people buying locally. There's a tremendous amount of money in Victoria. Old money, and yeah. the wealth in this city is quite quite something. If you really start looking into the old money that the city runs on. It's, it's quite a story onto itself. But uh, individuals who are downsizing or, or the newer term right-sizing into these condos from some of the more luxurious neighborhoods of Victoria uh, certainly put their money in a, in a project that they felt would have the, uh, the status that they were looking for. So because it was so unique, it's difficult to make any kind of conclusions based on just that single project because it, it had an appeal to people with, with uh, a lot of money. And the quality of that building is just it's just incredible. So if your listeners have the opportunity to check it out, I highly urge them to do so. And if you're looking at where this is, it's just, as you said, Kitty Corny from the Empress Hotel. You can't miss it. And I hear some pretty exciting things are going on with the ground floor component. Uh, that the owner is going to release more info on pretty soon. Yeah, we've heard a, we've heard a mixed bag of what's happening on the retail level mm. there, so I'm very excited to hear of what uh, what we're hearing if that actually comes to fruition or not. Because if it mm-hmm. does, it'd be great for the area there and definitely create a big landmark there right on Government Street. Yes. For someone who sees everything, what projects are you excited about? What what's coming down the pipeline that that you're aware of or that you can speak to from a development standpoint that gets you excited? Yeah, totally. One of the 
Strangers plot twists on the South Island. I mentioned this company a couple times. Is Starlight's arrival on uh, on the local uh, development uh, field, and man, these guys they they don't hold back. I mean, they're about to start construction on 600 units in the West York community of Langford, and that's just the first phase of their project. There, they've got 1,500 units in planning in downtown Victoria. They've got 230 odd units coming down pretty quickly in central Saanich, on the Saanich Peninsula, north of Victoria. This level of development activity and the, the precision, the laser focus that these companies employ to get their approvals and everything figured out and, and this this progression of uh, proposal to construction, to completion, to, to occupancy, and on to the next project is just staggering for us locally. It's something that we've never seen, at least not on this scale. So I'm very, very very acutely uh, monitoring what's going on with uh, their downtown project because 32 stories for a city like Victoria 10 years ago, nobody would have told you that this was going to happen. This is the most anti-height city, anti-density city that you could imagine. That boom, here these guys show up and now they're putting in 1,500 units in one swoop in the downtown core. That's, that's big city stuff and it's very exciting to watch. No kidding, no kidding. Mike, I, I know you're a busy guy and we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day here to sort of sort of dive in a lot more about what's going on in the Vancouver Island area there. We have us. A thing called we call it the six pack. It's six lighthearted okay. questions we get to ask you, sort of, so we get to know you a little bit outside the office. Do you have just a few more minutes for us? Yeah, let's do it. The six pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Okay, first question up, we'll give you an easy one here. Favorite vacation spot when you find the time? Honestly, it's the central island, central east coast of Vancouver Island. That's where I get my zen. And I've been to some pretty crazy places around the world, but that's my favorite. And anywhere in particular in that area? Yeah, Campbell River is the northernmost city on Vancouver Island that I would consider a city. Slightly south of there is a place called Black Creek. There's a farm on the ocean. It's called Seaview Farm, and they rent out a yurt. And if you rent it out in the winter, there's nobody else there. You're on this farm by yourself with the ocean and the ocean waves pounding away just a few feet from you. And it's a place where you can disconnect, get your Zen, see some beautiful sights, and you're just a few hours away from home. That's my go-to place. And I would go there in a heartbeat if I had the opportunity. A book you would recommend to our listeners that you've read and doesn't necessarily have to be a real estate book. Not a real estate book. Anything you Mm -hmm. want. Can be real estate related, but doesn't have to be. Well, the one that I've been perusing lately is my repair manual for my old Cadillac, which seems to be the only book that I <laughs> I don't know if I'd recommend it, but uh, it's the old, I'll tell you exactly what it's called. It's the Cadillac Shop Manual from 1974. How's that? It sounds vintage. It's pretty vintage, yeah. And the, and the, and the, and the grease marks in that thing are, are just now, as old as the book. Now, this Cadillac 74 Cadillac, is this a passion project? It's a little bit, yeah. I uh, I like the old caddies. They're they're uh, the guy. The guy who sold me the thing he said, "I'll tell you one thing. If you buy this car, you're never going to look back." And I said, "Yeah, whatever." 
I haven't looked back. I don't have my pocketbook. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> the guys at the gas station love me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the guys at the gas station love every car that pull up right now. I pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Favorite restaurant or bar? And we'll do the Victoria edition. Favorite restaurant or bar when you, uh, when you go out there in the city, where are you going? It closed, unfortunately. Oh, no. I'll tell you where it, where, sure. where it was. Across the street from City Hall, it's called the Rialto. Okay. And they have the meanest cocktails. These these bartenders or uh, mixologists, I guess that's they're called, they can make you a mean drink. Doesn't matter what you like, doesn't matter how you liked it, they figured it out for you. And the neat thing about this bar was that if you went there after a public hearing or after a big meeting at City Hall and you sat quietly at the bar bar yourself, you would eventually hear all the inside gossip and the inside scoop on what the players had heard, were talking about, and what their next steps were. So it was a bit of a hidden secret where you could find out some of the inner workings from the uh, the, the players uh, doing their thing in the city by just sitting at that bar and, and uh, quietly listening in on conversations. Not that I would sit there purposely doing that every no, day. No, 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 we didn't sit. We would never think that. You know, sometimes you'd be like, you know, I think these guys are going to hit up the bar after after their public hearing. And you, you'd learn quite a few things just by quietly sitting there minding your own business. So Now, did it, did it close, unfortunately, due to COVID or did it close due to redevelopment? Uh, I would say, I think I think it was just its time. The, the bartenders and the original crew that ran that place, they started to move on and pursue other opportunities. And there's uh, just as wonderful of a bar now called The Palms, I think it yeah. is, just across the street from there. Yeah. I've been there uh, once, but uh, certainly a different vibe than the original place, yeah. but just as beautiful, I'm sure, and uh, a fun place to hang out. It was pouring rain outside. What are you binge watching on Netflix? Alone. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Favorite- it just adds to the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> favorite band or musician this is how we really get to know you notorious big one thing you'll hear on this show is people who are successful in one facet or another in development all listen to 90s gangster rap <laughs> are you serious we've had warren g we've had snoop dog we've had dr dre we've had warren g <laughs> We now, I don't think anyone's, oh yeah, we've had Notorious B.I.G. once before. It's, it's funny. It's a common thread amongst the commercial real estate realm that if you have any desire to be successful in this business, you have to be, you have to be up on your nineties Coolio gangster rap. That's, that's almost becoming a repertoire on it. And I I don't, I don't want to say anything because it's going to look bad, but I was, I was definitely had the Jay-Z going today on the Peloton this morning. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely, That's awesome. definitely had the Jay Z going to the Warren oh G. You got all the. It's so funny now is even uh, at the Super Bowl when they had the Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Fifty Cent show. Is I, I'm I'm getting up there now in age, and we've got some brokers in our Vancouver office that uh, that are probably in their early twenties, and we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about the amazing best Super Bowl halftime show we've ever seen, and you get the one guy that walks by, it goes Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. So you know you're getting old when. 
Mike, Mike, last question here for you before we have to let you go. A piece of advice you'd give our listeners, someone who's looking to enter the Victoria real estate market in some facet or not from an expert like yourself, what's a piece of advice you could give them? Oh, man. Well, thank you for saying an expert. I'm just a guy with some data, but I do appreciate that. Man, I'll tell you, if a guy like me can get into this industry and and pursue it to the level that I've been able to, really anybody can. And this is such a fulfilling place to be. It's ever-changing. The opportunities are what you make it. But fundamentally, this is an industry where we all tend to rely on each other in some way. And your character will precede you in this industry. It is always two steps ahead. So you not only have to be good at what you do, but you have to make sure that what you do helps the other people that you rely on or that you don't know you're going to rely on at one point in the future. It's a small community as well. And I, I, for young people that are considering making a transition into this industry or perhaps going to school for business or whatever it may be that ends up with them being in this industry, I say you're making the right decision and there's a place for literally everyone when it comes to commercial real estate and just the real estate industry, period. So I highly encourage young people to look into it, no matter what path in life they may have taken prior to getting into this industry, there's something for everyone here. And I've seen it from all walks of life. And uh, the people that are most successful are the ones that are going to surprise you because you may not know it right at the beginning, but they end up being the five-star achievers for sure. Well, you, you say that and you're very humble because the the richest guys on this planet now control data. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And obviously mm-hmm. you're in possession of all the key data over there. So you you know, from an expert standpoint, you're right up there. And I think if we talk about some of the richest guys in the world and the technology guys that control the data, that could be the same bald guy named Jeff that bought that property there for 11 million. <laughs> Last time I checked, he's probably got more data than anyone I know. Mike, for all, for all of our listeners out there, can you tell them how they can find out more about yourself and Citified, where they can find more information about everything? Yes, totally. Thank you. You can uh, find us by going to citified.ca. So that's Charlie India, Tango India, Foxtrot India, Echo Delta. .ca. We oftentimes get mistaken for certified.ca. Don't go there. We're not sure what that is, but that is not the website to go to. And then there's uh, everything you need to know on that website, our articles, data, and uh, our custom uh, reports and such that people can request or some insight into the market is available just a few emails away. And uh, I honestly, I, I can't thank you enough for the time and the opportunity to chat with you today and be exposed to your audience. It's, it's, it's amazing. Thank you. Well, we really, we really appreciate what you do there. And like I said, at the start of the program is is we, I mean, most people in our industry follow your stuff religiously there and, you know, you're keeping everyone up to date and you're doing a lot of the grunt work for us that we just, we, we take your information. We pretend that it's ours. We look like experts because of you. So (laughs) we appreciate what you're doing. And hopefully a lot of our listeners go over there and check out to see what, uh, what's going on at certified.ca. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for your time today, Mike. We really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on the show. And there you have it, folks. Our interview with Mike Kozakowski. You know, Corey, I I don't think you should say our. That was all you. And I I think, you know, to keep the bike metaphor going, the training wheels uh, have come off for sure. Well, that was a great talk. Well, if you if you heard the episode and you saw my spill last week, you'd be putting those training wheels back on as fast <laughs> as possible.
<laughs> but that was that was seriously tons of useful information there. A lot of exciting takeaways. Well, the thing too is he he talks a lot about just the how the maturity and the sales cycle and how everything's changed in Victoria. And we've been very bullish on this this show about Vancouver Island period. And it's, we've actually gotten some emails asking like, oh, is this the Van, is this is the the Victoria or Vancouver <laughs> Island commercial real estate podcast? And it's not that we're we're not not that we're not covering other areas. It's just right now a lot of all the activity is in BC Interior and the Vancouver Island market. Right. I want to highlight that. And Mike doesn't disappoint. Well, and and the other thing that just from a kind of being involved, but you're you're kind of steering the ship, obviously. I feel like you can see with the content you're you're curating, let's say, where the excitement is. Yeah. Right. Well, and I feel like you're focused on specific markets and there's very clear reasons why. Well, we follow the trends, we watch the numbers, and like we've obviously been very, very bullish on Victoria. And if you go back just probably not even two years ago, you were seeing retail stratalots probably sell in that mid fours, $450 to $500 a foot. Fast forward to 2022, we're seeing them at $850 a foot plus. And you mentioned the pre-sale, yeah. uh, what, over $900 a foot or something like yeah, that? Yeah, there's stuff like, coming out that, that's approaching that, those numbers, like $850 a foot under contract. There was a recent listing that came out, $699,000 for 711 square feet. Wow. Of retail. So, you I mean, you go back a year, you know, guys were buying stuff in the mid sixes. And now you're looking at like 30 to 35% more just there. And, and again, the market has momentum. The sell-throughs there, towers are selling. It, it's a great market to get in. And Mike, like I said, doesn't disappoint, you know, unpacks a lot of that for us. Yeah. Fantastic talk. Corey, before we leave for the day, how can people find out more about what you're doing over at William Wright? They can reach us at williamwright.ca anytime. They can send me an email at corey at williamwright.ca. Always happy to talk real estate. Or they can call us at 604-428-5255. Let us know what they're looking for and we'll put you in touch with the best professional we have in the province, uh, wherever you're looking. And these episodes, it's worth noting, are they also live at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And, um, you know, we have synopses for all of these episodes, some reason. You know, I didn't know if anybody actually ever read them, but actually out for lunch with a guy last week, he said, I didn't catch the podcast this week, but I read the summary on your site. So I think there I got go. it. And uh, so, so they're useful. They're it useful. works. They're accurate. They work. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. But I, I'd keep listening. Uh, yeah. It would be, would be the general sense. <laughs> we don't put the Peloton stories. No, if you're listening for the, the Peloton story is never going to make it. But uh, yeah, that's VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We'll be back next week. So hopefully everybody had a great long weekend and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe today.